Hi, you're listening to The Cardigan, a special series from Selfie, focusing on the intersection of psychology and self-care. I'm Kristen, a licensed therapist, a skilled catastrophizer, and mom of four. And I'm Matthias, a licensed therapist, side-eye aficionado, and a dog dad. We're going to be taking your mental health questions, chatting about our own journeys, and looking at psychology in the media. We hope you learned something about yourself, the people you love, and the world of mental health and maybe laugh a little along the way. So go grab some tea and your favorite cardigan and we'll meet you on the couch. Hey guys. Well, the holidays are upon us. We have a listener question this week that we're going to talk about, which is how do you have boundaries with parents that are not toxic? Parents that are kind and loving, but just sometimes you need some boundaries with them. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about holiday overwhelm a bit. Um, our psych and pop culture is going to be about research that shows memes help reduce pandemic stress, which feels very validating. And that our what I want you to know is about late-term pregnancy loss. But first, Matthias and I are going to do our mental health check-in. Hey, Matthias. Hey, Kristen. How's your week been? <sighs> oh, it's been it's been okay. Um, I struggle every single year with holiday overwhelm mm. and stress. Mm. I work really hard not to be in that place. I mean, it, it, you know, it is a, from Thanksgiving on, I feel like I'm working not to be stressed. Yeah. But then almost like working not to be stressed stresses me out. And I can get into this um, kind of vibe of once I get everything done, I won't be stressed, but I'm in that, space the entire time, if that makes sense. Uh-huh. Yep. 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 So I try to work backwards. You know, it's like, okay, Christmas Day, you know, is kind of the ultimate, right? We're we're shooting for Christmas Day. So I've got gifts to wrap. I want to send out holiday cards. I need to mail gifts to family in faraway places. And every year I try to do this earlier and earlier. So I mean I had my Christmas cards completely done by December 1st. Wow. Um, I had my gift spot. I had things to send. But like inevitably, I don't know. I think that I I have this idea in my mind that if I do it all early enough, I won't have any holiday stress. But it's, mm. I still have it. Totally. Yeah. I don't know. Do you experience that too? Yeah, I mean, like, yes, but probably not. Like, I mean, I... <laughs> I'm so, my family just in general, we're really bad at gifts. My parents are good, but my siblings and I, and they're the the only people that I give gifts to, like, we just, you know, we'll be like middle of February. <laughs> we're like, here's your Christmas gift <laughs> like, from last year. So, like, yeah, some holiday stress, but not nearly like what you're describing with like having a family and kids where like getting gifts in on time is important and like, yeah i mean those things it is a little easier now that my kids are older because i can task them with things like i will have them wrap gifts for each other mm-hmm. um i will have them sit and stuff envelopes for me with christmas cards you know mm. so that's nice i mean it was really hairy when they were little oh, i bet and I mean, hats off to these moms that are doing this like elf on the shelf thing, because Ugh. I was always like, I'm not adding one more single thing. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like, I mean- sorry, the elf doesn't come here. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even handle an advent calendar for myself. So, <laughs> well, like- <laughs> okay. Let me tell you what has complicated this year's holiday. Actually, I should, I should, I should lead with this context. We're leaving Christmas Day for New York. 
Okay. Yeah. So it's going to be a zoo on Christmas mm. Day. And, and I've just acknowledged that. Like Christmas morning is not – and we are swapping houses. Uh, so my yeah. house needs to be in pristine condition when we leave for the airport at noon Christmas Day. So which means we can't be opening gifts Christmas morning. No. Yeah. So what I did, I had the bright idea <laughs> – that I would do an advent calendar, and that's how they would get their gifts. So I bought these little advent calendar pocket things from Target. Cute. Cute, but... uh, Okay. But then I had to figure out four different little gifty things 25 times. That's 100 little gifts. Oh. Which some of it's candy. Some of it is just full-on recycled Halloween candy. I pilfered their Halloween candy for advent calendars. But about half of it is gifts because I'm trying to parse their gifts out through the month Mm -hmm. because we're not going to have a Christmas morning. And because a lot of their gifts are things that I want them to take to New York. Like it's a lot of sweaters and gloves and scarves. So it it just, I, (laughs) in an effort to make Christmas morning less stressful, I just completely stress myself out for the entire month. (laughs) doing this creative advent calendar which is basically now i'm giving gifts every day i mean this is so interesting to me because it's making me think of a ted talk i watched probably three four five years ago at this point Uh um that is like was by this stress researcher i can't remember her name i'll put it in the show notes this stress researcher who's talking about you know how to cope with stress Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> and her, the whole kind of theme of this video was when we try to avoid our stress or try to, you know, say like, if I do this, I won't be stressed anymore. Like that, you know, that actually increases the stress as you're talking about. Um, and that resistance to the stress is what actually causes the health risks of stress. And her whole thing was just accept your stress. <laughs> Just like lean into the, yeah. this thing of like, I'm going to be stressed and like, that's okay. I don't need to avoid this. Oh my gosh. I don't know. Like, I mean, it sounds awful. Like, the- <laughs> No, listen, let me tell you something. Literally what you just said is exactly what my therapist said to me. Really? <laughs> yeah. He said, y- it will be stressful and anticipate that it's stressful and then, yeah. and then like just live in it. That's exactly what he told me to do. That's so funny. So anyway, you're on the right track. Yeah, it was an interesting video. And again, I mean, I I really want to recognize that everything I'm saying is from a seat of crazy privilege. You know, woe is me that I'm going to New York City for Christmas with my children, you know, and, and that I'm trying to figure out how to disseminate a lot of gifts over, you know, an extended period of time. Like, I know that all of this is massive first world problems. But, you know, I am talking about my problems and stress is subjective. And that is where my stress is living right now. Yeah. 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 How about you? Yeah. So, you know, (laughs) holiday season means parties. Yeah. Especially now that like the pandemic is shifting i definitely don't want to buy into that idea that it's over because it's yes. certainly not but yes i mean the places of like seattle mostly everyone's vaccinated people yeah. are having holiday parties again that's yeah. just the reality uh and i'm so far out of practice <laughs> with parties i never considered myself to necessarily be much of a socially anxious person mm-hmm. but i had this scenario come up this past weekend where there was a holiday party on friday night mm-hmm 
And I made plans to go. I was like, this sounds cute. But like, as Friday approached and on Friday, like my level of anxiety went up. Like it was so high. Mm. I realized like, I'm not really going to know anyone. The one person Mm. who was going to go with me backed out on me in the last minute. And I like was like, I I don't know that I want to go to this. Like Mm -hmm. small, I hate small talk. Like all the things like preach going to this party. don't know anyone. Yeah. There was going to be. Anyway, anyway, it was a mess. It was a mess. But I remembered some words <laughs> that, <laughs> that my coach, you know, as we were talking about coach, some coaches can be good. <laughs> my mm-hmm. coach said to me a while ago was like, are, are you letting your anxiety or your fear walk you into choices that are closing down your world? Or mm-hmm. opening up your world. <laughs> and can you lean into the choices that will allow your world to open up? And in this case, for mm-hmm. me, this felt like one of those choices. If I stay home, like, sure, I can sit on the couch and rest, and that might be really good for me. But I'm also, like, closing myself in. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I decided to go, and it was great. I had a really fun time. Good. Um, That's great. But yeah, I mean, it was such a hard choice, and I hated the first hour of the party. And <laughs> Did, now, let me ask you this, because I'm guessing we're similar on this. Did it get better when you locked into a deeper conversation? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, is, th- is that what you find? Because yep. I find that's true for me, too. Yep. Yeah. I found my people, a mm-hmm. few people at the party, and yeah, like that... <laughs> Was able to spend time with them. Yeah, get yeah. into those deeper conversations. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because that is where, yeah, holiday parties, man, I mean, they can be really stressful because, like you said, a lot of times you you may not be walking into your crew. You know, sometimes we're socializing with people that we work with or that we don't know that well. They can be a slog. <laughs> they can and I am all for, like, this is not to say, like, go to every holiday party because it yeah. opens up your world. Like, yes. I am all for, like, the stay home. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't have to go to those parties. Totally. But for this one, I felt like it was one of those choices that was, like, this would be good for me to kind of confront this head on in some ways. Um, do you feel pressure? Because you're an Enneagram 7. I mean, do you yeah. get that kind of pressure to, like, go to all the things? Oh, don't totally. Miss- yeah. Oh, 100%. Yeah. yeah. I'm not a seven, but as a very social three, I struggle with that also. It's very hard for me to say no to something, even when I'm overextended. So I'm always working on that. (laughs) One of the things we did say no to, speaking of holiday overwhelm, that's still making me sad is like we kind of had this decision to make of we've done beer and hymns for years. Yeah. We've taken a very long break from COVID and we did feel comfortable at this point, doing a Christmas show. And our Christmas shows are always the big one. You know, people are down to come out and sing carols, Mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. Um, And that feels safe for people that don't know hymns. You know, it ends up being a very kind of secular crowd. People who would never come to our normal shows will come and sing Christmas carols. And we really wanted to do it. But we had to look at our schedule and just go like, is this sane? Yeah. Which is unusual for me. Because normally I wouldn't say that. My I would lead with, you know, will this be cool? <laughs> you know, will sure. this be fun? That's yeah. the only question, you know, and yeah. it would be fun in the moment. But the rehearsals and the, you know, 
ticketing and you, you know there's so much back-end stuff that goes into a show because we do it at like a concert venue so we said no and it felt good but then i also just like keep feeling regretful about it too so i don't know yeah it's hard. <sighs> yeah that is hard yeah those no's especially when they cost when they're like the yeah the costly no's yes but the better overall Ugh, i hate those but i know that i'm i'm in i know i'm in a better headspace because we said no I would really be stressing if we said yes. Totally. So next year, maybe next year. What do you have for two thumbs up? Yeah. So I, you know, I love a good face serum. (laughs) I know you do too. I do. Um, But I like, I feel like I'm constantly on a budget when it comes to my skincare routine. Yeah. Um, Maybe that's because I don't prioritize it. I don't know. But no, that's the reality. No, stop (laughs) it. It's because it's crazy. Skincare is way overpriced. It's obnoxious. It is. It's It's obnoxious. Yeah. And I like, I believe this, especially around like skincare stuff. Like, certainly there are really high quality ingredients that are very expensive to produce and yeah you know that's true but most of the time i think like the the cost is just markups and so i'm always like can i find a similar product for way cheaper that works just as well and most of the time the answer is yes oh yeah (laughs) so this is a serum that i found it's a vitamin c serum that my esthetician told me that i should you know start using vitamin c you know, she offered me this little ounce bottle that was like $300. And I was like, I'm not doing mm. that. And no, thanks. I, 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 I think I'm I, good. Right? I found this vitamin C serum. It's by True Skin on Oh, Amazon. I love this one. I oh, use yeah, this too. This? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. It, it's so like, good. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah, vitamin C. It has some vitamin E in there. It's um, really good. Yeah. Yeah. And my assistant was like, oh, you've been using your vitamin C. And I was like, you can't tell the difference. <laughs> Bitch, yes, I have. <laughs> the cheap one. <laughs> yeah. It's like $20. It lasts me a good, you know, two months at least. And Well, let me, it's funny. Let me tell you how I landed on this one. It's because I'm obsessed with drunk elephant products. So expensive. It's so, so expensive. Yeah. And I researched a dupe for their vitamin C serum. And this oh. is what everyone said. Interesting. Yes. That's how yeah. I found this one. It's great. I, I love it. And I can see a huge difference. Yeah. So here's a question for you. Do you use it morning and night? Ugh, this is... <laughs> I'm told I'm supposed to. No, I don't. I like... I am lucky if I get in an evening routine and I realize yeah. my, like I, my skin would be so much better if I did, but I just, the reality of life is I do most of my skincare stuff in the morning. If I remember, and if I have energy to do it before I go to bed, yeah. yes, but I don't usually use my vitamin C in the evening. I'll put on a retinol cause I'm like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I need it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Then Second question, when you use this vitamin C serum, do you then put a moisturizer on top? I do. Yeah. You do? Mm-hmm. Yep. What's your What's your on-top moisturizer? I just use, it's just like Neutrogena, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. with a sunscreen. I mean, it's like, yeah. you know, like the $12 Neutrogena moisturizer sunscreen oil-free thing. And it, it works. Yeah. Yeah. My issue has been, I put the serum on and then I'm like, a moisturizer is just, it's just too hard. Like one mm. extra step is just too hard. <laughs> <laughs> so I need to be better a boy. I, I'm good with the serum, but I need to put the moisturizer on top. Yeah. Yeah. My skin, like, 
I can tell, like, I've been using that moisturizer for so long that if I don't put it on, I'm uncomfortable. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. No. I need to, I need to get with it. <laughs> What's yours? Okay. My, you'll notice that my two thumbs up have been very travel related <laughs> <laughs> recently, um, just because we are traveling so much this season. Um, but I wanted to share, so one of the things I'm trying to move towards in travel. And I travel with four kids, so it's a lot of toiletries <laughs> to mm-hmm. manage. Mm-hmm. Now, I usually have um, pre-check, which means we don't have to pull out the, you know, the plastic bag of toiletries. Right. But when we were doing international travel, we ended up having to do that. And it's just so stressful. So I've been trying to move towards all bar products, solid oh. products in my suitcase um, so that I don't have any liquids, you know, so that I'm just smart, all solids. And then yeah. you can just leave it in the suitcase. So in order to do that, um, I had to find a good bar shampoo, which I use anyway, actually, I use bar mm. shampoos at home and good bar conditioner, um, body wash, and then a face wash. So I'm going to share all the different ones that I'm using for travel. And then what I did was I got these four packs of these small travel soap dishes, Hmm. and those live in my toiletry bag. So there are four different colors. And then I got them for all the kids, too. And then I put labels on them so we know this is shampoo, this is conditioner, what have you. So the ones that fit perfectly in these, and I'll link all of this up, the ones that fit perfectly in these little travel containers I got are from Ethique. Have Have you seen this brand before? No. So they're like all about zero waste. And so they come in like a little cardboard container. They're square shampoo bars. Um, My favorite in their line is Pinkalicious shampoo. And it smells like grapefruit and vanilla. So it smells amazing. It has a really good lather. And then they have a really good conditioner bar as well. Um, And then they also have a really nice sudsy body wash bar. So that is what we're using for... Um, body wash, shampoo, and conditioner. And then for face wash, um, I got... Do you know that brand Shea Moisture? I think so. It's it's a really cool brand. It was really... They started out making hair care products for black hair. And it's a black-owned business, which I right. think has since been sold maybe to Target or something. But they have a really good African black soap for for the face. Yeah. Now, this one mm-hmm. doesn't fit exactly in those travel things. And so what I do is I just buy it and I cut it in half. Smart. With a knife. Yeah. Um, so anyway, that is how I have that. The moral of the story is that is how I've gotten all of us, all of our toiletries to be solids for our upcoming trip. I love that. <laughs> it makes me really happy. <laughs> yeah. I would have like, Chris, I don't even know why it hasn't even crossed my mind that there are like solid versions of all of these liquids. Like that is just blowing my mind right now. Like, duh. Like, <laughs> so have you not tried a shampoo bar yet? I, I mean, I have. Yeah, yeah. Like I have them in my shower. I just have yeah. never connected that with travel before. Yeah. Well, I have been using the bar, like the hair stuff travel, but I still have like a little mini of my face wash and a little mini of, you know, body wash. Sure. So that was the last frontier for me is lotion. Right. Now they do have lotion bars, but yes. I have not tried those yet. That's that's my last step here. 
I've used my sister like makes almost all of her own cosmetics and she's given me lotion bars that she's made before for Christmas and they're uh-huh. amazing. They're okay. amazing. I like them better. I'm not a lotion person, but I like them better than like like cream lotions. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. That's good to know. Yeah, I haven't tried that yet. So, yeah, that's my last. Well, that and the face lotion. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like I'm ever going to be ready to wipe a bar of lotion around my face. No, that sounds <laughs> disgusting. <laughs> so I think I'm just always going to have a little, a little, a little thing of yeah. serum yeah. when I travel. All right. Our what I want you to know today is from Lori Walker, and it is about late-term pregnancy loss. I'm going to give a little trigger warning that this does involve um, talk of pregnancy loss. So if you wanted to skip that, I would punch up to about five minutes in. A friend once asked if I was okay talking about my son, Andrew. I was both heartbroken and delighted. Heartbroken because we lost Andrew when I was four months pregnant and delighted because every time I get to talk about him, he lives. I think about him every day and I feel called to talk about him because I think it's important both for me and for other parents who may have lost their sweet ones and need to know they're not alone. Whether you've lost a child during your pregnancy or after you've been able to know and hold your child, it's still the most monumentally horrific thing that can happen to a parent. It's unnatural. For me, it was heart-wrenching and still impossible to comprehend. I have great faith in God that he'll carry me through anything, but I won't pretend to have any clue as to why children die. I'm only going to touch on one part of this loss today, and that's that the pain doesn't end. I'm so sorry. It's a hurt that's both physical and emotional. Over time, it eases from clenching every cell in your body in excruciating torture to more of a dull ache that can stab out every now and then, but it never really disappears. When Andrew died, I was surrounded by love and support from my family and friends, my church family, my co-workers, my community. People I'd never met reached out in generous ways to help. One person who's become a good friend since had been through a similar loss and made us a tiny blanket and hat so Andrew could be just like any other newborn. The nurse at the hospital took such gentle care of me that I felt guilty. She cared for me more than I cared for myself that day. She took the time to ink Andrew's tiny footprints and handprints and to take photos of him. She was so painstakingly careful with his fragile little body. She touched my heart deeply, even though I really couldn't feel that until much later. I remember being honored by everyone's care, but for the first time in my life, I couldn't stand to be touched. Friends and family would try to hug me in comfort, and it was physically painful to me, like being stabbed with knives. I'm a hugger. I love to be hugged but I couldn't even go to church. I wasn't mad at God. I I just couldn't let anyone near me. Over time, the physical hurt faded and I got back to myself, but it took a long time. I spent days hiding from life behind sleep. I'd read that sometimes mothers who had lost children before birth would dream about them being alive and holding them. So I took sleeping pills, begging God to let me dream about my son. I was a desperate for any way to have known him alive. Some way to be able to hold him and tell him that mama didn't choose to send him away. I wanted to tell him that God needed him more right then, so I had to give him up. I was in anguish that he would think his mama didn't want him. 
I know it's ridiculous, but not being able to ever have him hear me say I loved him still tortures me today. I was devastated that I never once dreamed about Andrew. I just slept and then woke to live the same nightmare day after day. Eventually, I gave up. I stopped trying. I struggled through by holding my older children a little tighter and leaning heavily on my husband. The grip around my heart that stopped me from breathing without forcing myself loosened, and I remembered how to laugh. It was a long road. My friends, I can tell you that road doesn't end. It winds and curves. It has stretches of sunshine and green trees, some rain, some storms, and every now and then a giant chuck hole. A big, nasty bump in the road that knocks me to my knees. I saw a video of a sweet little girl singing to her great Nana who was suffering from dementia. She was singing the song I only got to sing to Andrew for the tiny moment in time I was able to hold him in my hands. You are my sunshine, my only sunshine. All of my kids have a special song or a little something that's just for me to them, and that was Andrew's. I sat there surrounded by my family who are healthy, happy, strong, and here, sobbing into my hands for a child that I never even got to feel kick inside my belly. He never took a breath. He never even saw my face. I can't understand why children die but I can try to find purpose in Andrew's death. I can honor him by loving his siblings, and I can reach out to other moms and let them know they're not alone. Keep breathing, Mama. Those chuck holes remind me that I have a child I love desperately with every part of my soul, and someday with great joy, and I'm sure many, many tears, I will get to tell him how much I love and adore him. Well, thank you, Lori, so much for sharing that story with us. If you are interested in submitting your own what I want you to know about an issue that you wish people understand understood better, you can check out our show notes for instructions on how to do that. All right, our listener question today is how do you hold boundaries with kind and loving parents, parents who are not toxic, but you just need a little self care with them? And I thought this was a really interesting question because most of the time when we talk about boundaries, we're talking about like how to deal with toxic people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. But a lot of us have people that are not toxic, but we still need boundaries with them. Totally. Which in some ways, it's almost harder to set boundaries with kind people. Yes, (laughs) I agree. (laughs) Like, Like that sense of like, I love this person. This person is so kind, good, whatever. Like. Mm And I need a break or Mm -hmm. I don't like this one thing that they do or whatever. Like it's so much harder to set up that or have that, you know, the hard conversations. I think we were talking a couple episodes ago, like when it feels like there's goodness or kindness in the relationship and not toxicity. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like one of the things that I think is helpful when you're dealing with not toxic people, and this is a hard one because... I wouldn't take this approach with people who are toxic because they'll use it against you. Right. But when you're dealing with someone who's not toxic, who's kind, who's loving, I feel like leading with vulnerability is Mm. always a good approach, right? Mm -hmm. Like leading with your feelings. Yeah. Because people, normal people, respond well to vulnerability, right? Mm -hmm. They, They will be less defensive when instead of saying, you aren't paying attention to my kid's nap schedule, If you say, 
you know, I'm actually feeling really stressed about Christmas Day because I'm scared my kids are going to have a meltdown at like 11 when we're opening gifts because that's nap time. And I'm feeling worried about it. Mm-hmm. There's a big difference there, you know? Right. So I think if you can lead with your own feelings and then sometimes, you know, again, if you're dealing with a not toxic person, like hand it over to them to solve too. Right. Right. Cause often <laughs> those things tend to solve themselves. Like, yeah. Yeah. Right. And yeah, we, in some ways problem solve together. Yeah. Mm. And then I also think just, you know, I using I statements as trite as it sounds. Say that. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I mean, talk about that. What for people who don't know what I statements is. Yeah. I mean, it's precisely what you just did. Even in that example, I don't know if, if folks noticed you went from that, like you're not doing this for me I, uh, to, I feel like, X, Y, and Z. It's shifting the focus from the other person to yourself, mm-hmm. using your own emotions, feelings, thoughts uh, as the basis uh, instead of kind of the uh, accusation that uh, you're not doing this or I need you to do this. There, there's a massive difference there. And people respond very differently to that kind of I focus instead of you focus. Yeah. Absolutely. I think the other thing about boundaries too is just communicating them clearly in advance helps mm-hmm. ease a lot of tension, you know, as opposed to not communicating, hoping that people will read your mind and then being resentful when they don't. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and for as hard as it is, I, I think it can be so rewarding, especially working with not toxic people. Like how in some ways, easy boundaries can be respected. Like you can practice your boundary setting with people who are good to you. Yeah. (laughs) And know like, oh, my boundaries are being respected in this relationship. Mm -hmm. This is what that feels like. So that when you step into those more toxic situations, you've had some practice. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about psychology and pop culture. So I found an article that I thought was really interesting. Um, it it um, is talking about memes and the fact that they're showing that memes really do help ease our anxiety around the pandemic. Um, there's someone who studies media processes, media processes and effects, and they found that you know us sharing memes are these little like units of culture and shared experience that spread from one person to the next. It's almost like a corporate letdown. (laughs) Um, And that when we share them and enjoy them and laugh together, it really does reduce our anxiety. And I mean, it, it's, I think it makes a ton of sense. (laughs) Yeah. Like, do you find that to be true for yourself? Oh, 100%. Like I, like even that feeling of like, you see a meme and that like, I didn't know other people thought this way. <laughs> I didn't know yeah. other people, you know, thought this same thing was funny or had this same frustration. Like it's so validating in that one little moment that I'm not alone in this. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I thought it was, I mean, kind of validating that these, the studies kind of suggest that media is not always 
the waste of time or the stress inducing experience that we kind of portray it to be like, depending on the kind of media you're consuming, it can actually be connecting and normalizing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, those, those two things that we're talking about, their laughter and then connection, like those are both things that reduce stress just in general. (laughs) So, so I mean, it makes sense that a meme, which in, is doing both of those things, is connecting us to others, and we can laugh at them, most of them, uh, that that would have similar effects of other forms of connection and laughter. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think it also depends on the type of media you're consuming. And I think what this research is really looking at is like humor memes, as opposed to when you're just doom scrolling and you're looking at you know, when you're doing a deep dive on like the new variant and how we're all going to die from it is not necessarily helping. Totally. (laughs) Even though I do it. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) Or even like, I wonder this, even like those political memes that you see that like validate your own experience, but Mm -hmm. are also dividing you. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Like like making you angry, angry. making you riled up. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. My guess is that those add to stress. <laughs> I, that's my guess, too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think so, too. But in terms of just the humor memes about coronavirus, um, go for it, guys. <laughs> go for it. I'd love to see your favorites in Ooh. the Facebook group. Yes. Let's do a thread of our favorite non-political <laughs> pandemic memes. Yeah, would love that. thanks for listening just a heads up we're therapists but we're not your therapists this podcast is not a substitute for therapy and by making it we're not rendering psychological or other professional services if you need therapy we recommend you track down someone to help join us online for more of the conversation in our selfie community facebook group or on instagram at at selfie podcast 